Well, good morning, Journey. It's so good to see you here today. Um, I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, so you have one with you. We are in message 5 of our series we're calling Jesus and Inner Strength. It's actually message 25 in a series Pastor Christian has had us uh, working through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But before we dive in, um, I'd love to just kind of share, as Pastor Ryan did, that it's so good to be with you here on this memorial Day weekend. Um, wanted to take a second and share how grateful I am and how grateful we are for this day where we stop and remember those who gave their lives for our nation's freedom. I have an uncle who I never met because he died flying over Belgium in World War II in 1943. And yes, that makes me kind of old. But uh, anyway, but this day is important for my family. And I'm so grateful for those who have served and made that ultimate sacrifice. And we remember them today. I'm reminded of the words of uh, President Harry Truman, who said this. He said, our debt to the heroic men and valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. America will never forget their sacrifices. And so this is an important weekend just to remember that, that we live in a country where because of what those men and women have done, we have the opportunity to do this, to celebrate together as the church of Jesus Christ in America. So we're very thankful for this Memorial Day weekend. All right, let's get rolling. Like they said in Smokey and the Bandit, uh, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And if you don't know what I mean, then ask your parents, okay? But this... (laughs) Um, The series premise that we've been working on, uh, working with uh, during this series is to learn the spiritual practices that lead to the potential of spiritual inner strength. We're really talking a lot about having the inner strength of Jesus in order to live a life of spiritual victory. So as we set the table for today's message, I want to start with a few questions, maybe some things that you brought into the message time here in the service here today. Let me just ask you a few questions. What in your life makes you feel anxious? What in your life makes you worry? What stresses you out? I'm sure something. Is there anything in your life right now that you're losing sleep over? Anything in your life that you've lost your appetite over? What makes you unnecessarily angry, like triggers you, sets you off, like in a way that's like, whoa, that was way more than, uh, than you should have? What causes you to be afraid, immobilizes you, freezes you? Does your heart feel weighed down this morning? If you answered yes to, or had an immediate answer, or, you know, I hope nobody got elbowed as I walked through that <laughs> series of questions here. Um, but if you had an immediate answer to one or more of those questions, I'd love you to take a second, not too long, um, but if you have your outline in front of you or the JCI app uh, where it's at the sermon notes in front of you, um, while I'm sharing the, t- the goals of today's message here in just a second, uh, maybe in a code that only you and Jesus can understand, write down what it is that, or who it is that might uh, be an answer or a response to one or more of these questions. Um, what's got you worried? What's got you anxious? What's got you, uh, what's got your heart heavy here this morning? And just leave it there and we're going to come back to it later. But let's talk now about our goals that we have of today's message. Number one, we're going to see from God's word, uh, Matthew chapter six, what worry, what worry is and what it does to us. And number two, we're going to find victory in this area as we learn to give our worries to God. So as we do, um, Before we open God's word, as a church, we always like to ask God's spirit to help us. So will you join me in prayer as we seek God's help in this message today? God, we thank you for this Memorial Day weekend. We thank you for those who've gone before us. God, we thank you this morning for your word. I personally want to thank you so much for this specific chunk of 10 verses 
kind of nestled there in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount that you have used over the years to impact and change my life. I pray this morning that you would use this word to change us as well. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he says this to them. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If that is how God... We're going to do it over here, and y'all can control it. All right. Um, Are you not much more important, valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, one of the things I learned back in Bible college, this is one of the first things to notice as, you, as we read and take a look at this text of Scripture here this morning. One of the first things I learned in Bible college is that anytime you see the word therefore, an important co- to que- question to ask is what is the therefore, therefore? Like, why did he say those words? And, and in this context, um, it links back to the section just preceding it. If you look back to verse 44, you see Jesus telling his disciples this. He says, no one can serve two masters. He's talking about God and money. So the next obvious key question to follow that would be, what would be the first thing that would keep a follower from serving just one master? What would keep someone from having a divided heart? And, I, as, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't pretend to be able to read Jesus' mind or read his thoughts, but I think Jesus, if I just kind of thinking about this right now, if I was thinking about Jesus and how he was preaching here, he probably thought, what's the one thing that'll divide someone's heart faster than just about anything? And that's what you, we just read in verses 25 through 34, worry, anxiety, the burdens that come with being troubled by the things that are not in control. Where's my next meal? Where's my next, where, where's my shelter? What's, what's, where, how am I going to be provided for? Being troubled by things that are not in our control. For this text to be here, it makes sense and must be true that Jesus, in Jesus's world then, just like in our world today, they must have been filled with people for whom worry is a challenge. Dealing with anxiety is a hard thing. Worry must then have been a huge barrier to people living a life where Jesus is their one master. It's a big deal to Jesus. I think that's why he puts it right here in the scripture. And Jesus says, don't worry. But how do we do that? When it comes to worry, it's fair to say, I think, I think I can make this assumption and be right, that all of us from time to time have had things that have been out of our control that create worry in our, 
hearts in our lives, whether it's a financial issue, a relational issue, some other issue in our lives, what's going on in our world today. Many of us, it creates great worry and anxiety for us. And if we aren't careful, what can happen to all of us is a progression begins, a slippery slope begins that takes us to a place that we don't want to be that doesn't honor God. And I I put this together. Hopefully this will be helpful to you. When we kind of, when I, or when we kind of fall down that slippery slope of worry, here's where it starts. It starts with a feeling of nervousness. Just that, like, things feel a little bit out of control, maybe in our world today or in my heart or my family or at home or at school, just feel a little uneasy, just a little nervous. And if we let that go to seed in our lives, the next thing that happens is worry. And that's the sense that that things become not just, I'm a little uneasy, but now I'm getting unsettled. This is where the what if questions happen. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this doesn't work out? What if I'm left in the cold? Or what if, what if, what if, what if? The what if questions begin to happen. And if we don't take these, our worries to God and give them to him and say, God, you're going to have to help me with this, that leads to what I call worry on steroids. That's anxiety. Okay, and anxiety is, is what keeps us all awake at night. Anxiety is the, is the state where you, your heart and your spirit just can't calm down. Y'all been there before? I sure have. The next thing, if we don't manage that, don't give that to God, get help with that, it leads to fear. Fear is where we become immobilized, where we, we are just in a place where we can't move. We can't leave the house. We can't have the conversation. We can't do what we know we need to do to move forward in our life. And, and we're just kind of immobilized by it. We're just frozen. And if fear isn't handled, that's what leads to panic, the sense that everything is unsustainably out of control in our life. And panic is a place we don't want to be. Does that make sense? Nervousness leads to worry, leads to anxiety, leads to fear, leads to panic. Just kind of this progression. And, and the, the, thing about, um, the thing about this progression is, is, is I, just, I just want to ask a question before I even move forward. One more second. Has this described you over the past year? Has this state of nervousness or fear or anxiety been a constant companion of yours, almost like it's a crutch or a friend, something that just is always with you? And it kind of consumes your thoughts and your life. So if that describes you today, or if it describes someone close to you today, and you know, you've noticed these things in him or in her, then I'm so glad you're here today. Because today what we're going to do is we're going to look at what worry is, we're going to look at what worry does to us, and then we're going to look at what, um, what to do about worry, anxiety, fear, and panic so that we can experience God's victory and his peace in our lives. That's really where we're going here today because our heart as a church, our heart as a staff, our heart as those who are kind of fellow sojourners on this path towards Jesus is this. We want to help you to experience the peace and victory that God wants you to have. But that happens as we can identify things in our lives and say, God, help me in those areas. So let's look first at what worry is. Worry is a, um, it comes from the old, the word worry comes from the old German word, Vergen. Um, I love to say that. That's the only German I know. Um, uh, but it means to strangle or to choke. It means really letting our mind become overly preoccupied with things that we cannot control. Like, and what worry does is it literally does that. It chokes out our ability to focus on or to be about the right things, the things that we know we need to do. And every time you see the word worry in the New Testament of our Bible, um, it's used lots of times there, and it it's always indicates something that divides, something that distracts, or something that separates us from God's best for our lives. It's like a distraction that pulls us away. For me, if I was to use, to use one word to describe what worry does to me, it's the word pressure. 
When I'm worried, I just feel this pressure that settles on my chest. And when I'm walking around worried, it's not hard for people to notice and see. My wife sees it. Um, my friends see it. It just is something that is just part of me. Some people, it settles in their head and they just can't think straight. Some people, it settles in their stomach and they can't eat. Some people, you know, different people have different ways that, that worry manifests itself. For me, it's just pressure. And I wonder this morning, how many of you guys are feeling that today too? We're going to help you. We're going to help you get through it, okay? First, next, let's look at what worry does to us. Number one is worry damages our health. Worry can literally be a killer. Anxiety and fear and the things that go with it literally can be a killer. Did you know that 40 million adults in America today are affected by disorders related to worry and anxiety in their life? Did you know that? Did you know that worry and anxiety-related issues are the number one mental health problem or challenge among women today and the number two health problem or challenge among men today, only second to drug and alcohol abuse. And those are, that's huge. But here's one statistic about anxiety and worry that I, that really hits me in the heart because I love working with students. I love working with teenagers and helping them know Jesus and grow in Jesus. Even our students are feeling it today. One psychologist reported that the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Think about that. The average kid today carries enough anxiety that 60 years ago would have locked him up. That's crazy. Just this past Wednesday, I was at student ministry and I, um, there was a young man I, I noticed as he kind of came into the group and he just seemed a little down and, and uh, he walked into his small group and I actually ended up pulling him out of his small group because I just sensed something. And I, as I walked up to him and I, I, I kind of grabbed him, put my hand on his shoulder and I just looked at him and his head, his head was down like this. And there's no reason like his head should be down like this. I mean, he's a big, strong, good looking, sharp kid. Uh, most weeks he's just, you know, kind of just a normal high school student. But this past Wednesday, I'm looking at him and I'm asking him questions. I'm saying, hey man, how are you doing? And the only thing he can say to me is, I don't know. I said, how's your family? How are you doing at home? I don't know. How's your heart? I don't know. And this kid, you guys, had so much anxiety in his heart, in his life, that it was crushing him. It was crushing. I could just see it. I could just feel it. You know, and I just think about that, that, that worry has does, does so much damage to so many people in our world today, and our kids today are walking around with so much of this, and it's damaging their health. It's damaging the way they view God in the world. Here's the second thing worry does to us. Worry disrupts our productivity. It distracts us so much that it keeps us from being productive. You know, the more we spend time thinking about and fretting over the things that we can't control, um, the less we're able to focus on the things that really matter, the things that and the people who are in front of us needing our time and attention. If you're preoccupied thinking about all the things you can't control, how can you be focused and present with the people that are right in front of you? You know, there's a statistic from the United Kingdom from a healthcare provider called Benedin Health. They revealed, check this out, that the average person spends more than five years of their life worrying. The average adult loses about two hours a day worrying about issues like their love life, their personal finances, their health, getting old, and their job security. Two hours a day wasted because we're so worried about stuff that we can't control. You know, if I was to ask you to raise your hands here today and say, how many of you lost sleep? Don't do it. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you have lost sleep over things just this week? How many of you have headaches that are, you can't really describe the physical symptoms, but they're just, you just have headaches all the time because of the concerns in your life. How many of you have difficulty concentrating or an upset stomach or muscle tension? 
that's just, it all just kind of settles for some of us right here. There's just this tension right here and it creates all kinds of problems for us. How many of you are exhausted and there's really no physical reason to be exhausted except just all the things that you're carrying in your own life, in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own spirit? You know, worry for me, worry creates questions in my mind. And if I go to see down that, down that like progression of nervousness to worry, to um, anxiety, to fear, to panic, if I let, if I let that go, and kind of fall down that rabbit hole myself. The questions I ask are like, they're about my family. They're about my kids. They're about my future at church. They're about, am I doing a good job? Um, they're about, um, am I letting the people that uh, I lead, are they getting what they need from me? Are the people who are leading me, am I serving them well? Um, you know, what if this message stinks? <laughs> Will Pastor Christian ever ask me to preach again? You know, those kind of things. I just go down this rabbit hole of all these um, all these kind of negative emotions and thoughts. And the more time I spend thinking about those kinds of things, the more I let myself go down that rabbit hole, the less I can focus on what God has for me. The less I got, can focus, and I got to get past that, and all of us have to get past that in our lives. Here's the third thing that worry does to us. Worry decreases your ability to trust God. Worry decrease, decreases your ability to trust God. The more consumed by worry I am, the less room there is for God to work in my life. It's like we have one throne that's the control center of our life. And if we're consumed by worry, then it's hard for God to share the throne of our life. At its core, really, worry squeezes out and puts God on the throne of our life. And at its heart, really, worry, it's a control issue, if we're to be really honest. It's a control issue. It's something we can hold on to and control ourselves, even though we can't control whatever it is we're worried about. It's a control issue, and it really comes down to this. Who's going to be on the throne of your life? Here's where I'm at. I'm learning to, when worry tries to overtake my heart and soul, which it happens, to choose to believe that God is in control, to choose to believe that God not only sees my future, but he sees my present, and that his plans are what's best anyway, and me worrying about them or fretting over them is not going to change that at all. So to make the choice that, to, to believe the truth that God really cares about everything and to loosen my grip and to put my faith in the one who cares for me, if I can learn to trust him, that will go well with me. But how many of you know it takes inner strength from Jesus that we need his help in order to, um, to live a life that, um, where he is on the throne? That's just the way it is. Here's a passage of scripture that means a lot to me. And, and as I think about it, that um, the proverb, the writer of Proverbs says this, he says, it's an anxious heart that weighs a man down, that weighs a person down. And isn't that the truth? That the more worry, the more anxiety we carry, the more weighed down we are. And I think that's why Jesus is so strong with his disciples. I think that's why in verse 30 there in Matthew 6, he, he talks about... Um, how God who clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much will he not much more clothe you? And he says, he looks at his disciples and says, you have little faith. Like he almost insults him. He says, you, you mean you don't even have enough faith to believe that I can take care of your physical needs? And he kind of gets in there chilly there. He kind of gets on them there. It's why he's so strong here because a wor- he understood this, that worry in a heart that truly trusts God can't share the same space. And here's something else that we need to understand about worry, something we need to realize about worry, that you have an enemy who wants you to worry. He wants you to be consumed with worry. 
And there is a spiritual battle, you guys. There is a spiritual battle happening around you. And don't minimize this and don't dismiss it. It is true that you have an enemy who is ruthless, who is cunning, and who is relentless, and who wants to destroy you. And he will use whatever tools he can find in his arsenal to take your mind and your body out. He will. And if it's worry and anxiety that he can, he can use to take out, he'll do it. And you know, to be honest with you, this week, as I've been getting ready for this message here today, talking about worry, talking about anxiety, talking about fear and all of those things that, that the Lord led me to, to share with you guys, this week has been a war in my mind. This week has been a spiritual battle leading up to this morning's message. I have, been, I have, been, have had lies shot at me like, who are you, Pastor Mike, to share this message? You struggle with this area of worry and anxiety in your own life. What gives you the right to speak with authority? Well, this is what gives me the right to do it. But, uh, um, but what gives you the right to do it? And every day, sometimes multiple times a day, I've had to do what all of us need to do when we're faced with challenges in our life. I've had to put my spiritual armor on. I've had to turn in my Bible to Ephesians chapter 6 and say, God, help me daily to put on that shield of faith that protects my heart. Help me to put on that belt of truth that tells me the truth about what God says about me, not the lies that Satan hurls at me. To put on that helmet of salvation that that says my identity because of what Jesus did on the cross for me and my receiving his gift of eternal life, because of that, my identity is sealed, secure, and forever with him. To put, to to shod or to kind of decorate my feet with the gospel of peace and to walk in peace today, not in not in worry, not in anxiety, but to walk in peace because of who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. And ultimately to take that sword of the spirit, the word of God, and to allow God to use it to fight off the, air, the flaming arrows that the enemy shoots my way. Every day I've had to do that. Why? Because there's a spiritual battle for, for my mind, just like there's a spiritual battle for your mind. And the, 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 the choice we have is not, are, is there a battle? The choice is, are you gonna engage the enemy in battle? And are you going to use the right tools to engage the enemy in battle, to use scripture to fight worry, to say, God, help me to trust you to not fall down the rabbit hole of self-doubt, to not fall down the rabbit hole of worry, to say, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And that's God. And to live that out by not worrying, by not letting the cares of this day to so distract me from God's best for my life that I miss out on what God wants to do in and through me each day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Guys, Satan is real. And whether he, whether he can kind of trick you by convincing you that laying up money and treasures in heaven of wealth and power are what lead to like success in your life, or he can trick you into thinking that Wasting mental energy on things you can't control is where you need to invest your time and your energy. He doesn't care. Again, he is ruthless, he is cunning, and he is relentless. And he'll come in the front door, he'll come in the back door, he'll come in the side door as long as you let him in. Don't let him in. Don't let him in in this area. This is such a big area for so many of us in our country today. We let worry and anxiety and fear and panic just so immobilize us that, it, that we miss out on God's best for our lives. And that's not something God wants us to do. I found this statistic um, as I was getting ready for this message by a doctor named Dr. Lucas Lafreniere. And it says he's a social psychologist, but man, this could be in the Bible. It kind of is already, but not exactly like this. Um, he quantified, that means that he proved that 91.4% of all the things we worry about never actually happen. 91.4%. 
Like the stuff that you kind of get all worked up, the stuff that I get kind of worked up about, it doesn't even happen anyway. So why let yourself go there? So let's stop worrying. But how? Let's turn a corner now and figure out what we have to do in order to not allow worry and anxiety and nervousness and all those things to kind of win the day in our hearts. Um, A few years ago, I read a book by Max Lucado, pastor and author at Max Lucado, called Anxious for Nothing. It was really helpful. I commend it to you, um, called Anxious for Nothing. Um, And what Max Lucado does in that book is he takes the word calm, C-A-L-M, and he uses those letters as a teaching tool to answer this question. Um, and it's really helped me, and I want to kind of take the last few minutes of the message here to kind of equip you, to help you, to win that, that, that nervousness, worry, anxiety, fear, panic, when that, that rabbit hole wants to attack your heart, attack your mind, attack your stomach, whatever it attacks in your life, this is a weapon you can use to fight it. And the first thing, first weapon in that arsenal, what I need to do is to celebrate God's goodness, to celebrate God's goodness, to fish for good news rather than the negative of what's happening around us, to, to throw that line out into the water and say, God, what are you doing that's good in the world? Let me think about those things. Let me think about those things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are, that are the truth. You know, here's one of the things you find, at least I find this in my own life, as gratitude enters the human heart, it pushes anxiety out. And one of the things I've been doing this year, I shared this in a message I gave in January. One of the things I've been doing um, all year is every, either every night or every, th- every morning, first thing in the morning, um, I bought a little weekly planner. And every morning I take, and I just write down one or two things in there of a place where I saw the goodness of God in or around me um, over the course of the previous day just as kind of a reminder to celebrate God's goodness every single day because we can get so focused on our stuff that we forget to take a moment every day and just to remember how good God is. I thought I'd share a few of them with you and then encourage you to, to do it yourself. Here are a few of the things that I've written down on my, in my goodness journal uh, this year. One, number one, my daughter Katie, who's 22, graduated from college and, here's the best news, has a job. Yeah, woo, two down, two to go. All right, Um, number two, my wife still likes me and she actually loves me. 28 years this August, yes, we got married at age 12, so y'all just hush. Number three, my kids and I are cool. Um, Even my 16-year-old thinks I'm okay. I mean, she wouldn't say I'm awesome, but I'll take okay. And if you have a 16-year-old, you understand what I mean, right? Um, Number four, because of Jesus, God loves me like crazy. And I love him too. Never recover from that, friends. Never f- recover from the fact that God demonstrated his own love to you in this, that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Never take that for granted. Never recover from that. Be grateful every day for the love of Jesus in your life and the grace of Jesus in your life. And number five, I'm a living, breathing, and healthy person. Today, I can bench press my weight. I can do lots of pull-ups, and I still have hair on my head. What's up, Ryan? How's it going? One thing I would encourage you to do, he'll get me back, don't worry. Um, One thing I would encourage you to do is to, whether it's in a journal or in your phone, wherever, is to take some time every single day to find places and spaces where God is doing good things and to let your mind settle on those because he is and he does. You know, in the midst of all the bad news happening in our world, there is a good God. 
Um, one personal story I'd love to share with you in this area. Um, I love to serve in our student ministry. And about a month ago, um, we had what was called a best day ever night. And basically what that means is we encourage the kids to all bring their friends and uh, we share the gospel and give kids an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And we had one of those uh, about a month ago. And uh, there's a family that's been coming to our church for a while. They have twin girls and um, they're sixth graders. And uh, they've been coming since December or so. And one of the things I love about this family are these kids, these twins, is that they never come alone. They always bring friends to youth group, which is fun. You know, it's, it makes it more fun when there's more kids. And uh, every week they bring, bring friends. And, and one of the friends that they started bringing a little over a month ago um, is a girl named Chloe. And uh, Chloe um, goes to, well, until she finished this past week, uh, went to Summit Point Elementary, which is where my wife, um, right here on 150, which is where my wife is the PE teacher. And so she's had Chloe for seven years. And every once in a while here, you know, she, she'll tell stories about kids and to me at the dinner table or wherever. And, and um, uh, every once in a while, she'll tell stories about this kid, Chloe. She just loves her little glasses and braces and brown hair, just this little thing and sweet and, and all those things. And, and uh, these twins started bringing Chloe. And uh, at our best day ever night, a month ago, Chloe was sitting um, about where you are, Jeff or Don, or just a few rows back on the right side, right there in the aisle. I gave kids the opportunity to receive Christ. And at, like Pastor Christian does at Christmas and Easter, he asked anybody who wants to receive Christ to raise their hand. And, and uh, with every head bowed and every eye closed, kids or people just have their hands raised all over the auditorium. There were 11 spiritual decisions this night. But I remember looking right over there, and there was little Chloe, and I watched her as her hand went like this, just kind of like this. And she had her head like this, and I counted it. And, you know, you can kind of feel my voice, and I go, and 11. And she looked up, and she smiled and I smiled at her and I texted my wife and I was like, Chloe accepted Jesus. And we were all so excited. And afterwards they were screaming in the lobby. I don't know, that's because they're sixth grade girls. I don't know. Um, But anyway, can I just say this to you that there is so much good going on around you. There is so much good that God is doing. He is at work all the time. So So often we get so focused on the worries and the cares of this world that we forget. We just forget to stop, step back, and celebrate the good things that God is doing in and around us. What's the second thing we need to do to, uh, about our worry and anxiety? Number two is to ask God for help, to ask God for help. At the, in the book of Philippians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi from a prison in Rome, he said this to them. He said, in every situation, circle that word every if you have your Bible open, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How many situations does Paul say to pray in? Every situation. That means there's not a thing that happens in your life. There's not a conversation you have. There's not an appointment you keep. There's not, a, not, a, not an event in your world that God says, don't pray about that. It says, pray about everything that goes on in and around your life. My question for you is, how long has it been since you asked God to help you with something? How long has it been since you asked God to help you? Is there a kid in your family, if you're a parent here, who you need wisdom in how to raise because they're just out of control or they're just not following the line or they're just, your relationship is broken with them? If there is, have you asked God for wisdom? Have you asked God for help? Is there a relationship in your life that needs healing? Have you asked God for wisdom in that? Is there a situation you can't solve? Is there a physical challenge that you're facing that you've been trying to manage it? You've been trying to, you know, suffer through it, but have you asked God for help? Sometimes we skip the most obvious thing, don't we? 
Have you asked God for help? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That, that verse goes on to say, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why do we have to ask God for help? Number one reason why is because none of us have it all figured out. None of us do. If you think you do, you don't. You don't. And God wants to help us. God wants to help us. Here's the third thing to do if we want to give our, uh, about our worry and anxiety, and that's this, to leave your worry to God, to leave your worry to God, to let that, remember that progression, nervousness, worry, anxiety, fear, panic? When you start to feel that nervousness, that out of control, uneasy feeling, to let that serve as not something that goes to seed in your heart and takes you down a negative rabbit hole, but let that, be a, let that serve as a trigger that when worry hits you, just let that serve as a trigger to pray. Say, God, there's something happening right now. There's something going on in my spirit that I'm uneasy about, that I'm, that I'm feeling nervous about, that I feel is out of control. I'm gonna give it to you. And every time that nervousness hits, don't let it go to seed. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. He says, take every thought captive. I love that picture of captive, captivate your thoughts. Literally grab them and make them obedient to Christ. Delete the ones that are not of Christ and take the thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Maybe here's how you can do it. How do I do that, Pastor Mike? Here's how you can do it. You can say, God, I got this thing. I got this meeting. I got this situation. I've got this challenge. I got this decision to make. I got this relationship where there's tension. And my history has been to just let it mess with my head. To just, to just cause me to lose, uh, lose my appetite, to cause me to lose sleep at night, to cause me to lose my focus, to distract me at work, to damage my, whatever it might be. My, my history has been to let it mess my world up. But Lord, not this time. Not this time. I'm gonna leave it with you. I'm gonna do what your word says. I'm gonna do what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, where Peter says to cast all my anxieties upon you because you care for me. I'm gonna do what Matthew 10 says, to, to come to Jesus with all of my burdens, and to give them to him, and he will give me what? He'll give me rest. So this time, I'm gonna take that worry, and I'm gonna leave it with you, and I'm gonna put it in God's, I'm gonna put it in your hands, God. I'm gonna seek you, and I'm gonna trust you with it rather than trusting myself and controlling it myself. In the words of the, in the very wise words of musician and singer Billy Joel, he one time said, it's always been a matter of trust. It's always been a matter of trust. Who will you trust Will you leave your worry to Jesus this time? So first, celebrate God's goodness. Ask God for help. Leave your worry to him. And then finally, meditate on good things. Meditate on good things. He says this in verse 33 of Matthew 6. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you have your Bible open, that word first, you can circle there. Seek first the kingdom of Christ. Seek first his plan, his will, his agenda. And that's the way God wants you to do it. I remember um, back when my son Zach was little, um, two, three years old, he was a, he was a talker. Um, in fact, he's still a talker. Um, but back then he just, he would learn things and there was no filter. And so whatever went into his brain came out his mouth, right? And the other thing about Zach that you need to know is he loved me to hold him. 
He was, so like literally, and he was a little guy, so it wasn't a big deal. So when I was home, here he was on my hip. And there's his little yappy voice all the time, just yap, yap, yapping away at me. Dad, guess what? Dad, let me tell you this. Dad, this is what happened today. Dad, did you know that dinosaurs, whatever, just whatever's in his brain is coming out of his mouth. And I'm just going to be honest with you as a parent. Sometimes that's kind of annoying, right? And sometimes I, he doesn't get my full and undivided attention. Sometimes I'm looking at the TV, I'm looking at my phone, I'm reading a book, I'm just doing anything but trying, trying to listen to him because he can be, you know, a little yappy when he was little, right? Well, here's the thing about Zach, though. Zach didn't like it when I wasn't paying attention to him. So you know what Zach would do if he saw my face was turned away from him? He would grab my chin and he would turn it towards him and he would be right here and I would be right here and I'd be like, God, give me strength. <laughs> because he was like, listen up, bub. I need to tell you about sharks and dinosaurs right now. Journey, can I say to you that the Holy Spirit wants to look at you and, and lovingly grab your chin and pull your heart and pull your face towards his. And he wants to say, listen up. I know that worry and anxiety are a constant companion of yours, that they're never far from your spirit. I know that panic is a thing in your life. But I'm right here. And rather than looking at the fear, rather than looking at the panic, rather than looking at the thing that's causing you worry, look at me. Look at me. And let me ask you three questions. Let me ask you three questions. And if these three questions are true, then we can handle anything else. Is Jesus' tomb still empty? Uh-huh, it is. He still is the victorious one. Is Jesus still on the throne? Yes, he is. He's still the victorious one. Is one day Jesus coming back to make everything right? Uh-huh. Yes, he is. He's coming back, y'all. And if these three were the only questions in your life that you could say yes to, if everything else around you is spinning and going out of control in ways that you can't figure out what in the world's going on and you can't make heads or tails of what's happening around you. If Jesus' tomb is still empty and if Jesus is still on the throne and if Jesus is coming back, that would be enough for us to trust him with anything that's going on in our lives and meditate today on that because that's the truth that's worth living for and that's the truth worth dying for. Amen? Amen. About 20 years ago, there was a 21-week-old unborn baby named Samuel Armis, who inside his mother's womb was diagnosed with a condition called spina bifida, where your spine is, your spine is growing outside of your skin. And if, if Samuel would have been able to go to term inside his mother's womb, um, there would have been massive complications and improbable potential death for the baby. Little Samuel's mother's name was Julie, is Julie, and she's an obstetrics nurse in Atlanta. And she knew of a pediatric surgeon named Dr. Samuel Bruner up at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville. And Dr. Bruner um, had become an expert at performing special operations on babies while they're still in their mother's womb, while they're still inside their mommy. He could fix issues and complications related to the baby. 
and then close the womb back up, close the mom back up, and they just, and the baby gets carried to term. And, and uh, Julie brought Samuel, or Julie came to, um, didn't bring him, she was, he was in her, so Julie came to Samuel. See how I did that? Okay. And as Dr. Bruner performed and then got close to completing the surgery on baby Samuel, he was getting ready to close up the incision that he had made so he could get to the baby. Out of the womb came little baby Samuel's hand and it grabbed the finger of Dr. Bruner. It looked like this. And they captured it, thankfully. And I guess there was a holy hush that happened in that hospital room when that baby reached out and grabbed the hand of that doctor. Some of you today are going through your days, allowing the worries and the cares and the anxieties and the fear and the panic of what's going on around you or within you to so stir you up that you can't experience the peace of God in your life. And this morning, God is saying this to you. He's saying, I'm alive. I'm on the throne. I'm coming back. So take my hand. Take my hand. Cast your anxiety upon me because I care for you. Let me give you, come to me with your burdens. Come to me with your heavy heart. And I will give you rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Pray and trust. Pray and trust. So will you do that today? Can I challenge you? We all have stuff going on in our life that could cause us to worry and go down that rabbit hole, don't we? Can I challenge you this morning? As a pastor, as a friend, as a fellow follower of Jesus, to take hold of the hand of God today. At the beginning of the message, I had that list. Remember that list that I showed you guys at the beginning of the message? What makes you feel anxious, worried, stressed out, all the other things? And you wrote or thought something, wrote something down or thought of something? Here's what I want you to do is like a little application exercise. I want you to take that thing and I want you to lay that word calm over it and say, God, this is my situation. Rather than letting it consume my heart and life today, I'm gonna celebrate your goodness. I'm gonna ask you for help. I'm gonna leave that worry to you and I'm gonna meditate on good things. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Uh Uh-huh. Because he's alive. He's on the throne. And he's coming back, y'all. So take his hand and let him help you. Let's pray together and ask God for his help. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word that tells us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these things will be given to us to not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And journey with every head bowed and every eye closed here in the auditorium and watching online as well. The question on the table is this. What causes worry and anxiety in your heart to the point where you just can't shake it? Can you acknowledge that before God? He already knows about it. Can you acknowledge it? get it out into the open, say, God, this is my thing. Will you let God bring his calming peace to your situation? Will you celebrate 
his goodness? Will you ask him for help? Will you leave your worry with him and meditate on the good things of who he is and what he's done and what he wants to do in your life? God, we need your help with this. We thank you that the tomb is still empty. We thank you that Jesus is still on the throne. And we thank you that one day you're gonna come back and make it all right. But in the meantime, in the already but not yet that we live in, God, help us to lean into you. To the person here, maybe the man, the woman, the boy, the girl here today, who you, uh, you don't know this Jesus of whom we've spoken today. You know about him, but you don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. I wanna encourage you this morning to in the silence of this place and the peace, whether you're watching online or here in the auditorium today, just in the peaceful presence of the sweet Holy Spirit, would you allow him to draw you to himself today? Would you admit what so many of us already have? Would you pray, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I have lived on the throne of my life for so long. I've made a mess of things. My sin, my brokenness, man, it's not only hurt you, but it's hurt others. And Jesus, in this place, this this morning, I open my heart to you and receive your gift of salvation. I receive your offer of new life found in Jesus who died on the cross and rose again from the dead. I open the door of my heart and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Take control of the throne of my life. I don't know what all that means, but I'm willing to open my heart to you if you'll come in. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, just in the silence of this place and the simplicity of your own heart as an act of faith, with you and I want to thank God for your decision and in just a couple minutes when pa- after the song Pastor Ryan's going to come up and he's going to kind of give you your next step that we need you to take that we want you to take so we can help you but Lord for all of us here tonight today God I pray that you would help us to celebrate your goodness to ask you for help to leave our worries with you to meditate on good things and to take your hand so that you can help us live a life that honors God. We love you so much. We're grateful for this opportunity to gather as your people. We're grateful to live in a country where we have that privilege. And God, we pray that you would be blessed throughout the rest of this day and throughout the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen and amen.